0: This podcast is developed by Bridge Bio to educate ourselves and the public about living with a rare disease. Since our guests aren't scripted and are free to speak their minds, their views and opinions don't necessarily reflect the views and policy of Bridge Biopharma. Now, we hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: Welcome to On Rare, a rare disease podcast produced by Bridge Bio, a biotech company that focuses on developing treatments for rare diseases. At On Rare, we explore what it's really like to live with a rare disease. Life with rare disease can be challenging, and behind each unique condition is a unique person, a unique family. On Rare gives us a chance to listen and learn from these true experts, people living with rare conditions. I'm your host, Mandy Roerig, a member of the patient advocacy team, and I'm joined by my colleague, head of patient advocacy, David Rintel. Today, David speaks with Ryan and Andrea, parents of Parker, a three-year-old who lives with a truly complex condition that causes tumor growth primarily in the brain, eyes, heart, kidneys, skin, and lungs. But first, David will visit with Dr. Clayton Beard to explain Parker's condition. Hi, David.
2: Hi, Mandy. I'm looking forward to speaking with Andrea and Ryan about their experiences as a parent of a child with tuberous sclerosis complex. But as you said, before we talk with them, let's start by speaking to someone who knows a lot about this difficult disease, Dr. Clayton Beard. Clayton is the Chief Scientific Officer of Bridge Biogene Therapy and also a friend and a trusted and highly valued colleague. Clayton, I'm really pleased to welcome you to On Rare. Thank you, David. Glad to be here. So, Clayton, we invited you to the podcast so you could explain this really complicated condition. What is tuberous sclerosis complex?
0: So, tuberous sclerosis complex, tuberous, a spherical, well edged defined swelling. Um, and sclerosis being a uh, swelling of tissue. This condition has a lot to do with the formation of these tumors, and it's referred to as a complex because this is a condition that has many, many different symptoms. TSC is a genetic condition. TSC results when a person has a mutation in one of two genes tsc1 or tsc2 and these genes provide instructions to the body's cells on how to make a protein and these tsc proteins their job is to control the cell's growth and when these instructions get scrambled through a a mutated gene the cell no longer is able to control its growth. And so it just starts to grow continuously. So as these growths occur, uh, you get tumors. You get a cell that divides multiple times and it grows into a bump of tissue. These TSC tubers can occur in the brain, the eye, the lungs, the skin, the kidney, the heart, really lots of different tissues. One of the most troublesome areas is when you have these tubers in the brain. Your brain has channels through it, so openings, that a fluid flows through called cerebral spinal fluid, or CSF. And this fluid feeds the brain, it brings it nourishments, and tubers form inside this chamber, and as they grow, they block the chamber, and they start to press on parts of the brain, and they start to interfere with its ability to function. So what can happen is you get seizures, sort of epilepsy. Uh, You can have cognitive delays. You can have autism-like syndromes and uh, behavioral problems. So a lot of manifestations in the brain. Almost all TSC patients will have some sign of this condition on their skin. So for some people, they have just light patches on the skin. Other people will have bumps um, and tumors and then in the heart where it can be serious if they interfere with blood flow through the heart these tubers also can grow in the kidney so the, the disease has been studied for a long time we know all of the potential symptoms but we don't fully understand why one person will experience a certain set of those symptoms and another person will experience a very different set of those symptoms thank you um
2: the condition is really variable by what symptoms they have and where the locations of the tubers are. So that is one way that it's complex. I wanted to be sure that we understood it's a genetic disorder. So but is it an inherited genetic disorder like In other words, is this a case where uh, each of your parent needs to carry one of these genes or is that all come from new mutations?
0: Great question. About one-third of the cases are inherited from a parent. So a parent could potentially have one bad copy of the gene and and there's a 50% chance that that copy would go to their offspring. And so a third of TSC patients, that's what's happened. The other two-thirds, the parents don't have any mutations in their genes. And it's a mutation that happens spontaneously. Somewhere in the early phases of development, a mutation arises. Those patients then are born with the condition.
2: Do we know why those fetuses develop this mutation?
0: We, we don't know why.
2: So for a genetic disorder, that's a pretty high rate of spontaneous mutations.
0: It's a very high rate and it makes it very hard to diagnose early on. Most genetic conditions, you know that one of the parents is carrying that gene, so you can kind of be on the lookout for it. Uh, But these that arise spontaneously, it makes it very tricky um, to know it's coming.
2: And is there any form of treatment currently for TSC?
0: Right now, there are a number of drugs that are used to treat the seizures. Um, there's good data that if you are able to treat a child early and prevent the seizures, you can prevent a fair amount of the developmental delays um, simply by enabling the brain to not go through the destructive seizure. Those drugs also are able to shrink the size of the tubers. These drugs basically block cells from growing, but they do have some side effects. They're not selective. They turn off the ability of all the cells to replicate. Um, And then the other treatment is surgery. These tumors are different from a cancerous tumor in that majority of the time, once you remove this tuber, um, it doesn't grow back. Uh, If it's accessible in the brain, surgery can be used to remove the tuber that's pressing on the brain and causing the problem. Likewise, for the heart or the kidney, surgery is an option to cut these out.
2: Must be very challenging for individuals living with TSC to be dealing with this, to have tumors growing in various parts of your body and needing surgery or medication that have a more global effect. So,
0: right. In talking to parents of children with this condition, the tubers and where they are sort of fall into a hierarchy of their concern. One mother was telling us that she was focused on the tubers in the brain and dreamt of a day where her child would not have seizures and then mentioned that he did have tubers in his kidneys becoming more and more severe, but that that was still lower on the list that if they couldn't get the seizures under control, the kidneys didn't really matter that much. So...
2: So We're actually sitting in a meeting room at the Bridge Bio Gene Therapy Laboratories in North Carolina, and uh, gene therapy is pretty complicated. I'm not going to ask you to explain all of it, Clayton, but the research that we're doing now is to try to replace the genes that don't work with a TSE gene that is functional to try to reduce or eliminate the growth of these tubers.
0: That's exactly right. This
2: is a really important topic, and it just seems like people living with TSC are really desperately in need of better types of treatment.
0: Yes, I agree. We're working on a therapy that will be more tailored to treating the tumors and having less of an effect on every cell in the body.
2: Well, thank you, Clayton. You've somehow managed to make a very complex condition understandable. I really look forward to listening to our guests to hear what it's like to be living with TSC as a family.
0: Great. Thank you very much.
2: I'm now really happy to welcome Ryan and Andrea, who are going to tell us more about what it's like to live with TSC. Welcome to OnRare. Thank you so much for
3: joining us today. Thank you for having us. We're looking forward to the conversation.
2: Great. Here's what I know. You're the parents of two sons, Tyler, who's five, and Parker, who's three, who has tuberous sclerosis, or TSC. I'd like to start the story really where it began, which is Before Parker was born, what was your life like? You had uh, one little boy and- uh...
4: Yeah, so when we had our older son, Tyler, we were trying to have one more baby and Tyler was an angel child. I mean, he's mischievous now, but um, we're like, all right, let's do it. Then later on in the pregnancy, the uh, gynecologist picked up an arrhythmia um, when he was listening to the baby's heartbeat uh, right around 35 weeks. And so he immediately was like, hey, I hear something a little off. I want you to go get checked out. So that sent me to a specialist and this was mid December and he was born the next month. And when I was waiting and getting looked at, they were doing all of the anatomy scans again, which they had done at 20 weeks and found everything to look good. I was asked by the tech if I had ever heard of tuberous sclerosis. And at that point, that was my first time ever hearing of it. And then she got very quiet left the room and spoke to the doctor. So I'm in there freaking out, trying to Google whatever it was this woman just said. And um, then unfortunately got the news that he had many rhabdomyomas in his heart that they could see already. Immediately sent me to another specialist um, where they did even more testing and scans. I kind of asked the doctors to please be real with me because I'm a planner and I like to know what to expect. And so luckily Ryan was able to meet me there. He worked nearby and they said it is very likely that he will have this because he has multiple rhabdomyomas, not just one. Um, And so then we kind of just Did our research, I guess, right?
2: And I'm sorry for interrupting so early in our conversation, but can you explain to us what rhabdomyomas are?
4: Yes, rhabdomyomas are tumors that are in the heart. They are growths that don't by themselves cause many issues. So a lot of the tumors with TSC, TSC, tuberous sclerosis complex, is a genetic disease that causes tumors to grow throughout his body. Um, And so he currently has them in his heart, his eyes, his kidneys, and his brain. Um, And so the ones in the heart are what are called the rhabdomyomas, which is what we knew of first
2: thank you um so i guess i want to just go back there was an irregular heartbeat and then you had further testing and on imaging they spotted some things in the heart and the tech not the physician or it's mentioned have you ever heard of tuberous sclerosis that must have really been a difficult moment you're left googling in the exam room
4: yeah it was it was definitely not good to be told this phrase and then have everyone leave the room for what felt like hours i mean in reality it was probably 30 minutes um when the other doctors had to look at the images but that was a really long 30 minutes yeah. to be by myself and um, terrified that something was very wrong with our child
2: yeah. so um i think you said you contacted ryan who came down and um what did they tell you to expect from this condition
4: So they gave us the generic, hey, we can't, we can't say, yes, your child definitely has this right now. It's likely, but we can't confirm until the child is born.
3: Yeah, a lot of it was sort of a, a wait and see. There's certainly a variety in how it affects one individual over the next. But the first thing that he was going to have to meet head on was really those rhabdomyomas in his heart. And they had told us that they may look to remove those after he was born if they really saw that there was an obstruction. Mm. We we had that in our, in our mind that that could be a possibility, but we're hoping that wasn't <laughs> the path that he was going to go down. But mm-hmm. at five days old, he did have heart surgery to remove some of those obstructions and did absolutely well with that.
2: You know, hearing this news, that's really different than what you expected would happen and different than how it was with Tyler. How did you manage and how'd you discuss it with each other and
4: Yeah, that was a really hard time for us, um, because it was also right around the holidays. So we kept it to ourselves um until probably the beginning of January after the holidays had passed when we kind of let our families know that, Hey, there might be these complications. We're unsure. We're trying to stay positive, but that was a lot of us talking and crying behind the scenes.
3: <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think Andrea mentioned that she's really one who is the, the planning type and wants to to know exactly what's going to, to happen. Um, and unfortunately TSC isn't one that you're really going to know exactly how it's going to to play out. So that certainly uh, made it an even tougher thing to have to, to deal with. Um,
2: so you waited to tell your family until after the holidays, and I'm guessing that the two of you wanted to have time to think it through and to know how you would like to talk about it or what that decision to not share information right away was like.
4: We did a lot of talking on our end about what we would want to do moving forward. If you wound up having all of these complications, then what? As a teacher, I felt like education is important and we kind of decided to go with the track of, we don't want everyone to be wondering what's wrong or why we might be um, kind of hovering over our child a little more or um, not attending certain events or having to be at the doctor a lot more. So we decided to be very open yeah. about Parker's diagnosis with DSC, um, and kind of let the world in on our journey and kind of educating the world has helped us cope as well. If,
2: if the arrhythmia hadn't been spotted, then you wouldn't have known anything until he was born.
4: Oh, I would have been devastated. <laughs>
2: so you had some time to prepare also and even though it was uncertain about what would happen yeah exactly you knew that it was going to be different than with your first son you were able to think it through and also talk to your family and um yes i'm hoping that they were really supportive of you that's just such a difficult time
3: yeah we've definitely had the the support from both of our families friends um i mean it was Completely new to to us, um, learning about TSC. So I think that first month was really us just trying to d- digest all the information that that was out there, um, so that that we could have a conversation to to let our families and friends in uh, on what Parker would be faced with, and educating ourselves as well as being able to any way we can spread the word to our networks so that that there is more awareness.
2: Yeah. One thing about rare diseases like TSC is that you're unlikely to have met another family who had a child with TSC.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, a lot of Google searches on what to expect, Mm -hmm. learning about the TSC Alliance, which has been a great help as a a resource for, all right, here's families that are going through or have been through the same um, experiences. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, Let's go back to Parker's birth and his surgery, only a few days old. I would be interested in hearing about your experience of that. It is so different than most parents. and
4: It definitely is. Um, so when I gave birth, he needed to be transported to a different specialized children's hospital, which is luckily only about 15, 20 minutes from us. But I had to still stay at the hospital when he was born. Mm-hmm. So... I was away from him for the first um, two days, and uh, luckily Ryan, though, traveled with Mm. Parker. I was like, nope, go with him. Mm -hmm. I don't want him alone. Like I'm fine. Um, I didn't want him to be alone, but that was really hard to be alone myself. Yeah, so he was at that hospital for 12 days, which was actually a very short stay for having heart surgery, Um, but he just mastered Mm -hmm. everything right away. Um, The surgery itself yeah. um, was quicker. Yeah. Cardiosurgeon was very specific and said, hey, if I'm going to do heart surgery on a newborn, I'm glad it's this. Um, so that reassured us a bit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't put you at any peace knowing that your child is sedated mm-hmm. and having this major procedure when they were just safe in your belly a little bit ago. Oh, yeah. 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 He was at Alfred I. DuPont uh, Children's Hospital in Wilmington, Delaware, and his team was absolutely fantastic. Um, We have had so many great specialists and doctors and nurses from that hospital as well as Children's Hospital in Philadelphia that have made this journey so much easier. That has helped us a lot to have the strong team to have our back and Parker's um, best interests at heart. I'm
2: so glad that you had access to those hospitals and that, you know, confidence in the healthcare providers is so important when you have a little baby who needs special medical care. Yes. He recovered very well from the surgery. It sounds like pretty fast and was discharged and you're back home. So, um, how was that? What, what happened? What happened next?
4: Well, we were home, and luckily with my background in early childhood, I knew the resources and who to contact immediately, so I was able to schedule him physical therapy and start those services immediately um, after his birth. Um, And then through the years, as he's gotten older, we've added other therapies. But that was definitely helpful. Also tapping into the community that Ryan was talking about. There's a lot of Facebook web pages of parents that connect. And then by being a super planner, I kept watching video and video after what did we need to look for um, as far as seizures that were likely coming um, so that we were as well educated as possible. And Ryan and I, Mm -hmm. took turns and making sure that he was always being watched Mm -hmm. and cared for. And his luckily older brother was super loving and doting on Parker uh, that it, it was a nice time being home with everybody, but lots and lots of appointments.
2: Mm. And after Parker was born, um, so the, the heart surgery was the big thing. Uh, What information did, were they able to provide you about his condition and what to expect then and what you were facing in the future?
4: Yeah, so they did a lot of procedures while he was still uh, in the SICU, the cardiac ICU, um, to check for all of the other organs to see where he was affected. So for his eyes, they did um, some type of magnifying glass picture taking device it looked sci-fi to me but they were able to take pictures of the inside of his eye and determine that yes he did have um, tumors in his eye as well and luckily where they were at the time they weren't affecting his vision they didn't believe so Then with further testing at this point, we don't believe his eyes are affected as far as his vision goes. So that's great news. And then they also did want to say at least two or three EEGs to check on the rhythm of his brain waves, as well as an MRI to see the tumors within um, his brain. And so he does have tumors all over the tissue in his brain, as well as in the fluid canal areas. Mm -hmm.
2: And um, did they give you a sense then about how those tumors might affect Parker?
4: I guess really what we just have to wait and see is kind of what tumors said those signals to start seizure activity. Um, So we were kind of waiting to see what happened there. The Mm -hmm. tumor that was in the fluid canal area luckily wasn't big enough that it was obstructing flow within the brain. Um, But that's something that they monitor every year with his MRI. And then the kidneys weren't found until later.
2: Um, And what? What was found with the kidneys?
4: Yeah. I know that they did an ultrasound when he was born and didn't see anything. A year old, they did another ultrasound, didn't see anything. And then his second year MRI, I really requested and pushed for the MRI of the abdomen. And then they did find the tumors in there as well. There's a different name for them as well called cysts. Essentially, it's just growths that shouldn't be where they're found.
2: You know, I just, uh, very different again than, I wonder how the two of you learn to live with this
3: yeah i mean going through our first son's birth um you sort of, sort of have that experience and then that sort of completely different experience with parker
4: the biggest thing we had to look for was seizures at that point that was different from our first son
2: yeah so they just said keep keep an eye out for seizures
4: Pretty much. Yeah. Ryan and I were always checking in. If we saw something funny, his uh, childcare knew to take videos, if they saw anything so we could send it to Mm. the neurologist. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were constantly just on high alert at all times, watching and waiting to see. At that point, he was enrolled in a clinical trial Mm. um, that he would have a lot of monitoring for the EEGs and brainwave activity. um, And they didn't see any at the time. However, that didn't mean that they couldn't start the next day. Hmm.
2: Yeah. What were you supposed to do if you saw seizure activity? It sounds like you were asked to video what was going on, but were you supposed to do anything else?
4: So the first seizure that children with TSC normally develop is um, infantile spasms, Mm -hmm. which is tricky um, because at first, you know, babies have these Uh, reflexes that look a little spasmy when they're born as it is Mm -hmm. Um, but the difference with infantile spasms is that they are more repetitive and you might see um, a lot more stiffening might see some eye Uh movement with it so Uh that's why they like to see video Mm -hmm. so they can kind of Mm -hmm. rule out oh no this is just a normal spasm see how this is different than this
2: you you had to learn so much so early even just to monitor him
4: Mm -hmm. But that was our, that was our goal. I mean, we're as parents. So we did it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. You do not have a choice. And what were your conversations with each other? Uh, you know, how did you support each other? And how did you, what did you say to each other about it?
3: Um, I, I certainly knew with Andrea's career background that she sort of had a, a leg up on me on a lot of the services and and what we could do for Parker. So, so I really looked to her for a lot of that information. And then just as much as we could educate ourselves what, what we may be seeing um, and, and share so it didn't feel like we were alone, we were going down it together. I mean, Andrea was certainly a champion of going to to all his appointments. Whatever needs to be done to get Parker what he needs is it, getting done. One of the things that we had to start thinking about with Parker was Tyler went to a, a daycare and absolutely loved it there, but but it was like, all right, do we need to look yeah, into yeah. a daycare that has sort of that more medical focus? And
4: David, going back to what you were asking about us and working together I was always the worrier and the planner and living like oh my gosh what's going on just overwhelmed and it was really hard and Ryan was the positive one and just always staying upbeat and keeping me in check with yeah but he's here and he's great it looks like he is but those worries just take over sometimes
2: yeah this is really so hard I mean you have the practical part, which is you need to and want to take care of him. But there's the emotional part, which is you hate to see your child have to endure any of this. And there's the worries.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the, the difficult things with TSC is the worry because you don't know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he could be seizure free for five months and then the med stops working and you're back at square one with trying to find a new medication or a combination of medications. And Parker's been through it. He's had multiple medications now and um, those infantile spasms we were hoping never came did come. Mm. And when those went away and the medicine was working, then a new type of seizure started. And currently we still don't have complete seizure Mm -hmm. control. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's a different It's a very difficult battle going back and forth with medicine and side effects and, um, you know, wanting Parker to live his best life. Of
2: course, of course. And, you know, for a planner, uncertainty is the worst, right?
4: Oh, my God, it's the worst.
2: (laughs) None of us like uncertainty, but when you like to have things planned out, when no one can tell you what is ahead, then that's just all the more challenging and upsetting.
4: Yes, agreed.
2: So... Parker is three now it's been a long journey and you know you're here which is great and what is what's a day in the life of Parker and his family
4: I can tell you his days start very early <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then your days start very early as early well, huh?
4: yes um, but you know that teamwork we take turns with the oh, early good. shift which is uh-huh. nice Um, so thankful for that sleep on those off days. Um, he's an early riser and, um, he receives medicine first thing in the morning and then Mm -hmm. right before bedtime. So every 12 hours he's, uh, receiving a combination of two different seizure medications. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he is now going to preschool, which is super great.
1: Um,
4: and he goes to the school I teach at, Which is nice. And he's there half day in the mornings in a program with a teacher and two different paraprofessionals and receives occupational therapy, speech therapy, and um, physical therapy there by a great team. And then he goes back to an amazing uh, childcare, which is a medical daycare in town. Um, And Mm -hmm. both of our children actually do that. They go to the school Uh program with me in the mornings and then back to that medical daycare. They have a non medical side, which helps keep the boys together. He's a good napper because he wakes up so early and, uh, you know, and then he actually also receives outside services as well. Um, He is also going to outside therapy for speech right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we come home. It's Uh playtime. He loves bath time and anything water and, Um, enjoys chasing around the dog and his brother and destroying all of his brother's creations, (laughs) enjoys movie time and lounging around. Uh And he's a really happy kid if we let him do what he wants to do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like um, you're describing both a little boy who gets a lot of services and uh, he was very lucky to have a mom who's a teacher in early childhood education who probably knows a lot about what services are helpful and his big brother gets to do a lot of those things with him. All of that sounds really terrific. You make it sound pretty easy but sounds like there is a lot of teamwork and that is the secret to your success is that you take turns and give each other breaks and how did you evolve this teamwork model so well? A lot of folks don't quite get there. Teamwork is not always that easy to achieve.
3: Well, if I could opt out of the 4.30 a.m. wake up, I I certainly would. But I know that's not fair. Um, But yeah, where where we could sort of divide and conquer. So from a dropping the boys off at daycare, uh, Andrea actually took care of that for a long period of time just because I worked um, the complete opposite direction, wherever there's opportunities where... I can help or Andrea can help. We look to do that um, so that one person isn't burdened with everything.
4: I think that we do um, a pretty good job. I mean, it, it comes and goes, you know, it, we'll think we're doing great. And then I'll be like, hey, I really need more help. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I'm doing it all. I need help with this. And then he immediately will do his best to get as much done as he can to help me. Um, and I think one of the best things that Ryan will do is always, remind me to take a step back or to go relax. And I struggle with that. Um, So I think that's one of the great things about our partnership is that he reminds me when I'm beating too much.
2: So you communicate well, you take turns, and then you take care of each other. We try. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got a lot to juggle. And how is your family? Are they supportive? Have... They've taken part in this process with you. How has it been?
3: I mean, it was a shock to them when we had those initial conversations of, of Parker's diagnosis, but it was immediately, okay, how can we help? How can we learn about this? What can we do? And, and that's been our family, our friends, coworkers, everyone has had that same willingness to help in any way we've we've asked. I think we had said at the beginning, really wanted to be forthcoming with Parker's diagnosis and raising awareness. and And we have had fundraisers where there's been overwhelming support from family and friends, which has gone to the TSC Alliance, as well as just spreading the word. So they're aware, like, TSC is a thing. You may not have been aware of it beforehand, like we weren't, but just to get the name out there so that hopefully there is more funding and help that can one day lead to a cure.
4: If we kept it to ourselves, that would be a lot less people that knew this existed, a lot less funding. And I mean, ideally, we want a cure, right? So the more we get the word out and the more funding that we're able to support and help with, then it hopefully will lead to a better outcome for Parker and his fellow TSC warriors.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts about the future for Parker and your hopes for the future?
4: Oh, it's, that's a heavy question. Um, cause we still don't know.
3: Oh. We're, we're certainly hoping the, the best for him. He's shown to be a, a fighter and willing to take on whatever is being thrown his way. So where his journey falls, we we hope that what he runs into is, is minimal. We know that not going to go through free of issues and things he'll have to overcome, but as much as we can help prepare for that journey that he'll have to go through, I think that's our job right now to make sure that he does have the best pathway forward and can best prepare him for, for those particular hurdles and situations.
2: Thank you, Ryan. Andrea, do you want to add anything to that?
4: No, I, I really do agree with what Ryan said. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still are kind of waiting for what's next and dealing with a, a bunch of, uh, I guess, just, you know, normal three-year-old problems as well as what TSC throws at us. So we're just really happy that Parker is a happy, loving child, and we have such a strong, supportive uh teacher staff behind him and friend group and family that will just help us and help Parker throughout his journey. So we are very lucky where we are right now, and uh, we hope that it's positives ahead.
2: Yes, and so we hope there are positives ahead, a lot of positives ahead for Parker and Tyler and for the two of you. Thank you. You've mentioned the TSC Alliance, and I wonder if you found that joining the organization has been helpful or...
4: Definitely helpful. Um, having the TSE Alliance has been the best part. I mean, obviously, we would never wish this on any child. Um, but having that support system is amazing. Having all those families that have gone through things or that will answer your questions on a Facebook post. Um, not all rare diseases have a community. And TSC does. And that is something we are extremely thankful for. The best thing to come out of this is the family and friends that we have made through the Alliance and through those um, community members that we didn't have previously. And uh, the support and having people that truly understand Hmm. what you're going through, um, rather than just Mm -hmm. listening and fully understanding because they're not in your shoes. Um, That does make a difference.
3: Yeah, and I think the the first year was really us just learning what was ahead um trying to to ground ourselves on the disease right. in in general and really taking as as much as we could from the people within that community and then sort of over the the past 2 years how, how could we give back to to that community and it it's been awesome to to have that support and knowledge resources anything else we might need
2: there's nothing that is quite like talking with another family or other parents who are living with the same situation and the experience is so valuable. So, absolutely. You guys are fabulous.
3: <laughs> Thanks.
2: How you use each other's strengths in such a complimentary way. Sometimes one person needs to do the worrying and the other needs to do the reassuring. You really are a fabulous team. And, I'm sure not every moment of every day, but um, just like everybody else, but really, um, it's a great example of how a couple can work together to really live with and overcome the challenges that a rare condition presents. So
3: thank you so much. Thank you. And certainly thank you for providing a platform where we can continue to get the, the word out. Sure.
4: And we are glad that you had us on here to talk about Parker because he is a special little boy.
2: I wish I get a chance to, I hope I get a chance to meet him someday.
4: I hope so. Ryan will have to send you guys a picture of him.
2: Oh, that would be lovely. That would be great.
1: Such a touching and meaningful story. Ryan and Andrea are such a strong, inspiring couple. And they have such a meaningful partnership together, right? Like they were faced with a tremendous amount of challenge with the uncertainty of Parker's diagnosis. As a mother, that's what it got me. You're sitting in the ultrasound room by yourself and somebody tells you this terrifying thing and then leaves you to your thoughts and then you can't do anything about it, right?
2: Yeah, you're right, Mandy. It was a terrible mistake that that tech made, giving the news of possibility of tuberous sclerosis to expectant parents. I'm sure most ultrasound techs do a better job, but these moments are remembered, just like uh, they were remembered by Andrea and Ryan on the podcast today. The other thing that hearing this news makes me think of is the need to be able to tell parents of a child with tuberous sclerosis that there are treatments that can help the condition. For that reason, I feel really Privileged, you and I are privileged, Mandy, to work at Bridge Biogene Therapy, where we're in the early stages of developing a gene therapy for tuberous sclerosis complex.
1: Truly, though.
2: Yes, really.
1: Thank you, David, for guiding us through Andrea and Ryan's story. And a very special thanks to Andrea and Ryan for educating us on Parker's experiences. Thank you, Dr. Beard, for helping us to better understand the science of tuberous sclerosis complex. And a special thanks to our producer, Amy Brooks. To learn more about tuberous sclerosis complex, please visit tscalliance.org. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Thank you for being with us today and join us for our next conversation on Rare.